What we do here is go back, 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 back. back. And welcome into episode 48. And yes, I am informed that this is actually episode 48 of the Two and a Half Marks podcast. Last week, I was misled by Angelo. I am throwing him under the bus. This is his fault, 100%, not mine. But welcome to episode 48 of the Two and a Half Marks podcast. My name is David Statman, and as always, I am joined by my good friend Angelo Inglisa and Jake Long as we rewatch, relive, and remember a different wrestling pay-per-view every single week. And this week, we are sitting down and slogging through all four hours of SummerSlam 2017. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a long bunch of really nothing capitalized by one of the greatest just, like, orgies of violence in the history of wwe the fatal four-way match in the main event between brock lesnar braun Strowman, roman reigns and samoa joe over a thousand pounds of beef doing shit to each other a match that i was losing my mind for the entire time uh, the first time i watched it and the entire time i watched it today four years after it happened so been looking forward to uh, talking about this one what's going on boys i know you guys watched this together because you, you david you had everyone over to watch it was i there for it because i don't you remember watching this okay i jake was not there no. i feel like you might have been i'm trying to remember because i don't remember watching this show actually i like i remember parts of it like i i vividly remember enzo escaping the shark cage okay well then you <laughs> but were there but i remember nothing else i remember nothing else i don't remember okay. the main event you, maybe you just like watching dudes oil themselves up. I don't know what you get off maybe, on. Maybe. Who fine. knows? Hey, that's, that's you. That's a you thing. I, at that point in time, 2017, who, like, where else would you be watching that, you know, if it wasn't with me? I, on Twitter, I would guess, but <laughs> I have no idea. This I, this was a, you said it best, that you said it's a slog, and then you get the last hour and a half, which is just awesome. Minus one match with a certain gender Mahal. Uh, yeah. Well, gender. We'll we'll get to gender. Yeah, uh, I did not watch this live. The first pay per view that I watched once I got back into this was the next one, which was No Mercy, and it was uh, Braun versus Brock in a one on one match. Uh, it had like Roman versus John Cena on that card, and so it was really interesting to be like, man. This is what I just barely missed coming in on such a shit pay-per-view. No and Mercy. Wasn't the No Mercy, though, like the match that featured the uh, promo where Cena pretty much rips Roman to shreds? Before, there was a, like a SmackDown or like the Raw beforehand, but yeah. Where Roman can't cut a promo because Ro- Roman at the time was awful on the mic. Yes, yeah, yeah it was like it was that feud, yes. Yeah, but. this is the... Uh... I'm the big dog, this is my yard era, Roman Reigns. Which is like <laughs> the least powerful version of Roman Reigns. Or yeah. But yeah. SummerSlam 2017, as we said, it's a four-hour show. It is just... And, and, and it was it was even harder for, like, for me to watch because 
it's recently enough that I still remember everything pretty well. And I just, re- like, I go through it, I just remember how shitty so many of these storylines were. And it just hurts me to think about. But some of these we'll, we'll, we'll get into a little bit further. But yeah, WWE SummerSlam 2017, we at least get a great main event. There's a couple other pretty good matches on the show. And yes, we get to see uh, Enzo Amore oil himself down in the middle <laughs> of the, well, suspended about 10 feet above the ring. And that's that's for the uh, the ladies in attendance, <laughs> but yeah. So it sounds like oh, are we just re- are ready to jump into it and remember some guys. We got a lot of guys yeah. to get through, so we might we as well have a lot of guys to get through. It. All right, so let's remember some guys. It is August twentieth, two thousand and seventeen. We are at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. A full house, sixteen thousand one hundred and twenty-eight people in the building. Just the night before. In the same arena, NXT TakeOver Brooklyn, uh, we had seen Drew McIntyre win the NXT title from Bobby Roode. Uh, we've got a nine-match card set to go for the main card. We had three pre-show matches in which, you know, some honorable mentions in Guy Remembrance tonight. The Miz and The Miz Tourage of Curtis Axel and Bo Dallas beating the Hardys and Jason Jordan. We had Neville beat Akira Tozawa for the Cruiserweight title. And we had the Usos beating the New Day for the SmackDown Tag Team titles in a 19-plus minute long match. That was actually the second longest match of the entire night, and it was on the pre-show. And it was also a really good match from what I hear. I didn't watch yeah. it, but... You mean the Miz and the B team, right? Yes, B-team, 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 go, 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 go. They were cool. But yeah, um, Usos and New Day always had killer matches. Uh, I could not find the pre-show on Peacock. So oh. this is one of those that is just lost in the ether that I'll probably have to find on Chinese YouTube one day whenever I want to actually watch it. But I'm sure it was really good because those guys always had great matches. Brooklyn crowd is always really big and really hot, especially for a big show like this. And we start out with the future Hall of Famer, the 16-time world champion. It's John Cena. He is the first man out. He is taking on Baron Corbin, who this is the still very cursed, long hair, but still also balding, but doesn't make it look kind of acceptable like Hulk Hogan did, Baron Corbin. Um, This was, of course... If you remember, all over the uh, the Money in the Bank feud, uh, Baron Corbin was Mr. Money in the Bank for a little while, and then John Cena basically screwed him out of his cash-in, and he ate shit and lost like a jabroni. Because, I mean, if you if you lose on your cash-in, you are the biggest dork in the world. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's what happened to Baron Corbin. So he is trying to get revenge on John Cena, and this is kind of a nothing match. Even though it's Cena and he's, you know, he's leading off the show. It's a big spot. Uh, he's kind of just clowning around early on in this match. He's He goes over to commentary and puts a JBL's cowboy hat on at one point. Um, but then Corbin starts beating him down. He gets the heat for a long time early on. Uh, Cena tries to hit the five-knuckle shuffle on him, but he misses. Corbin does that kind of, uh, that 
that thing where he slides in and out of the ring around the corner post. <laughs> oh, the, big, so the, the big boss man spot. I think it's cool, except he does it three times in this match. <laughs> um, he does the corner slide thing into a choke slam backbreaker for a near fall. Cena comes off the ropes, hits a tornado DDT. He hits the five knuckle shuffle, gets him up on his shoulders for the attitude adjustment. Corbin gets out. He hits the deep six, which is an awesome move. He takes his shirt off to reveal his very sad-looking midsection. He then gets the core, and by sad-looking, it means, like, I mean, his uh, he's in good shape, but it always looks like his belly button is frowning at me. Have you guys ever noticed that? <laughs> um, no. He uh, does the corner slide spot again, but as he gets back into the ring, Cena kills him with a lariat, gets him up, hits the AA, gets the pin. John Cena wins in 10 minutes and 12 seconds. Afterwards, I noticed this. He goes into the crowd and hugs a couple people on ringside. I didn't know who the other two guys were, but one of them was a uh, uh, respect, formerly respected roastmaster comedian Jeff Ross. Yes, who has since been extremely canceled. So John Cena <laughs> hanging out with some problematic faves. Did that? Did that? Does that shock you at all? No, having watched all? every single, having watched like every single one of those Comedy Central yes. roasts, it's the <laughs> least surprising thing of all time. I thought it was like, I don't know why it looked like Eric Bledsoe for me. Like, I don't know why I thought that <laughs> would look Eric like Eric Bledsoe. Bledsoe, but like, I don't know. I th- why would he and Cena be friends, Angelo? Just think about it. I don't know. It's Cena. Cena's cool. They're famous guys. They're I don't fam- know. They're famous people. All famous people know each other. How does anyone become friends with Eric Bledsoe? Tell me, I would love to become friends with Eric Bledsoe. Can you? Awesome. Hey, we will trade. I'll trade him to the Wizards for you. Okay, well, sure. I, we'll give you. Uh, we'll give you a Garrison Matthews in a second round pick. Deal. Okay, cool. I tell you what. Uh, one way is to put him in the WWE and then just let him beat Baron Corbin because yeah. everybody was beat. Oh man, the WWE picks the weirdest times to like put guys over, not put guys over. Like, if you're going to give somebody the, the Money in the Bank briefcase, they've got to win it, mm-hmm. right? Unless, like, you have no intentions of ever making them a top guy. But, Baron- you put the belt- but then you don't give it to him in the first place. You don't give it to him in the first place. Fuck off. Like, like the only reason it's oh, – the only time it's acceptable to lose it is if you're one of the guys that's like, I'm cashing this in. I want a match on this paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then that's, that's fine. That's the only way it's okay. When you're like, I'm a baby face. I'm going to do the honorable thing. I want right. to challenge you to a straight-up match at a pay-per-view. And then you do the match. And, like, it's a good match or whatever. And then you lose. That's like, acceptable. That's, that's acceptable. But, like, when you're, when you're Corbin or something and you're trying to do the shenanigans, you know, you're trying to cash in on somebody who's out, and then you still lose, you look like the biggest fucking dope in the world. You're, you're just a jabron at that point. Yeah. Like, Look, get the fuck off I'll be screen. honest. They, they showed the package of like how this feud got here, uh, and just watching, like I'd be pissed if I was Corbin. I was rooting for Corbin in this match uh, because I'm a Baron Corbin guy. I'm not gonna buy a shirt or nothing, but like I've always appreciated Corbin in the ring. Like there's a place for a guy his size who I think is an underrated talker in the ring. I think his promos suck. He's a very boring promo. But I enjoy the work he does in the ring as when he's like interacting with the crowd or interacting with whoever he's working with. He has a very diverse moveset, like the choke slam backbreaker, the height he got on that. I know like it was a very cool spot and like you can't always have spots like that with smaller guys. The deep six is a really awesome move. Like 
Corbin is a good heel, and I think that if he had won the money with the money in the bank, like cool, okay, that's good. Now he's got a world title run. That's fine. Corbin mm-hmm. is a guy that I could buy as a transitional champion, not like face of the company guy, but he's upper middle card. But yeah. this makes him look like a complete jabron. He loses the money in the bank cash in. He loses to John Cena on SummerSlam, and this is part time Cena, which is a great version of Cena, but it's also the kind that should be putting other guys over on the bigger shows. But the whole reason why Cena wins is because he's the you know he's John Cena and he's facing Baron Corbin. That's all you need I, to know. I have never in my life really been into Corbin at all, and I mean he's got. We talk about some of the spots that he does. He has some cool spots, right? And we talk about it all the time. I think the corner slide thing. It, it looks cool. It, I mean, he does it three times in this match. Like, you can only do it once a match. Yeah. Um, but, like, you know, the deep six is a great-looking move. Obviously, the end of days, his finish is a great-looking move. He's a guy that has, like, a few cool spots that he does. But, like, none of his matches themselves are actually good. No. Outside of those, like, couple spots. Because they're all, like, slow and boring, just like these are. But here and there, he does a cool move. And I, he has, like, three cool moves. But that's, like... Again, for someone that th- thinks C plus is fine because you know good enough is good enough, th- that's Corbin. Corbin's entering stuff is good enough. I think. I, I think the thing that really helps him over that makes him stand out is that I th- again, like I said earlier, his entering uh, charisma, like I mean literal charisma, as in like he's talking to people as the match is going on and like taunting people. I I enjoy it. It's very like I don't know. It's childish, but it's enjoyable as a heel. But then you get to his promos, and his promos are like have less depth than him interacting with the crowd and so it never feels good also i want it on record this version of baron corbin looks a thousand times better than the current version of baron corbin i'll agree with you you know what i think that while it probably technically was the correct decision to shave his head Mm -hmm. because you know when when your hair it's awful hair you know, when your hairline's looking like that, you gotta you gotta shit or get off the pot. You know are we I mean? are we are we trying to suggest something? We're not. Uh, this is not directed at you. This is genuinely not directed at you. Um, I'll fight, bitch. I'm saying at a certain point, you gotta shit or get off the pot. But with Corbin, it was at least like a unique look. You know Be- what I mean? Because he had like like it was like a biker aesthetic too with him at that time. And it kind of just worked because it looked like long, greasy. Like I don't give a crap about how I look. I just want to be a grimy brute. And that worked for him. Now he's the same grimy brute, except now he's a king. And it does, there's a disconnect. Yeah, I just don't know what his gimmick is supposed to be. I just have never been interested in Corbin. I actually, I, I like corporate never. Corbin personally, but... When he started dressing like a TGI Fridays manager? <laughs> yeah. Yes. I don't know. I just, every single time Baron Corbin is on my screen, I feel like he's there for a half hour. Because like every, all his promos, is like the way he talks is so fucking slow. And every single one of his matches... They're all so slow, and they all take so much longer than they should. And at, the, at at a certain point, it's just like, can we move it along? Like, Raw, the other night, his match with Drew McIntyre, I swear to God, took 35 minutes. It, like, I was like, please, just end this match already. <laughs> it's like, it's it's that all the time with Corbin, you know? He, he does get a he's lot of screen time. He's going to be one of those guys that goes into the Hall of Fame in, like, 30 years because he was just on every show yeah. ever. It's like this is like like how Coco Beware is in the Hall of Fame, yes. except Coco Beware was more charismatic than Baron Gordon. That's a hot take. We had D'Lo on the last one, and we said he like he's a PR master because 
screen time to swagger. No one's better than D'Lo except maybe yes. The Rock. Corbin is the antithesis of that. He is the yes. anti-D'Lo Brown. Yes. <laughs> D'Lo had the single greatest coolness to screen time ratio of anyone ever. And he's number one. Baron Corbin is last place. <laughs> I don't mean that's a slight Baron Corbin, but like it's true. Yeah. He is the anti-D'Lo Brown in every single way. And this match is no exception. I was waiting for it to be over. And then it finally was. It was 10 minutes that felt a lot longer, at least to me. Uh, next up, we have a, a little clip of the uh, WWE Rocket League tournament. Do people still play Rocket League, Andrew? Yes. I feel like you might. Yes. Uh, yes. And my brother plays it like he does weekend tournaments all the time. It's actually, I started playing it a few day, like weeks ago. It's really fun if you have a group. I think if you're playing solo with a bunch of randoms, it sucks. But if you have a group like of like two or three friends then you're going to have a fun time. Yeah, I've never played it, but it's always seemed like a fun game. You just have to accept that you're going to be bad for the first 40 hours you play. Okay, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. I'm, I'm glad to know that it still exists. David, David still plays Fortnite, so he accepted that about I, himself a long time listen, ago. Listen, man, I, I, it's, it's a bonding thing with my girlfriend. What can I say? Play Fortnite, still do it. There's dinosaurs in the game now. It's wild, brother. You, you don't need to come back. <laughs> I, I, I will say that the content that like because it's for up up down down it was phenomenal content I'm like oh cool it's a bracket you have these unique teams they have the unique names it's fun yes uh, in this in this in this slog of a pay per view Angelo is going to spend five minutes talking about up up down down and the new day playing video games why not no I want to talk about for five minutes after this where there's they're like they have a pan of the uh, commentator booth. And there's a guy behind the bo- like booth in this in the fan with the fans, who gave a too sweet, and then mouthed "fuck you" over and over and over again while staring at the camera. Not that blinking. Guy was, that guy was me. That was me. I did that. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of like, have you ever seen the clip of the uh, the guy where it's like it's from a WCW show in like '97. And there's like the NWO are all cavorting around in the ring being assholes, and then you see one dude who is sitting like hard cam side, like this, like kind of like maybe 45 year old dude with a mustache. He just turns around. He holds up and uh, he holds up an NWO shirt and he like rips it in half. <laughs> and then he just defiantly holds up the four horsemen four to the camera. <laughs> <laughs> he just stares at the camera with this angry look on his face. With the angry four. Yeah. That guy's me. But yeah, uh, we get a little shot of the rocket league tournament and, uh, Team Nasha, Neville and Sasha Banks win the championship over AJ Styles and Charlotte Flair. So congratulations to our new champions. Uh, next up, we have SmackDown women's title on the line. Natalia and Naomi. Naomi defending the belts. I thought it was funny watching the uh, intro package because, like, a lot of this was they got mad. Like, they, they had a fight after uh, Natalia cleanly beat uh becky like right in the middle of the ring she cleanly beat becky lynch right right in the middle of the ring and then like beat the shit out of her afterwards <laughs> and that's let's natalia doing that to becky lynch like still like what we're maybe like a year before she catches fire yeah 20 because SummerSlam 2018 when they turned her heel that's when like her run started yeah it's funny like seeing where she was not that long before she's getting just beaten down completely clean by natalia to further a, a feud between Natalia and Naomi. 
Uh, Naomi, though, has always been really cool. Uh, her entrance at this point where she does the whole, like, neon, like, dancing shit, it's really sweet. Um, she basically, like, turned up one day on SmackDown doing that gimmick and, like, was instantly over immediately. Because it's awesome. Which it's it a was, good gimmick. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. It was like, everyone's like, yeah, that's awesome. Just keep doing that. She's, is she ever really on TV anymore, though? I feel like she's not, like, featured ever. The last that we've seen of her is that she's teaming with Lana. And right, I believe okay. that she's involved in a fatal four match at Mania to decide who faces Shayna and uh, Jax at night two. You're right. Okay, yeah, that shows you how much attention I guess I'm paying right now. Well, yeah. it's also like a sl- it's it's also like an insult to Naomi. Yeah, she should be featured more. She's really cool, terrific athlete. Always could really do some cool high flying stuff. Uh, she hits Natalia with a Hurricane Rana. Does a blockbuster off the apron to the floor, but then Natalia monkey flips her into the ring post. She gets the heat for a while. We get a flash cut backstage at Miss Money in the Bank, Carmella. And the since-canceled James Ellsworth. They're hanging out backstage watching this match at a very normal angle with the TV. But uh, it was very funny to see Ellsworth. Uh, Natalia does, or Naomi does this cool, like, kind of basement head scissors. Gets her comeback, but then Natalia uh, cuts her off. She, like, grabs her leg and, like, throws it into the ground. Like, forces her to do the splits. Um, drop kicks her. Uh, Naomi comes back with sort of a slingshot guillotine leg drop. Uh, Natalia turns her into a sharpshooter, but then Naomi kind of flips her into the bottom turnbuckle. She goes up for the split-legged moonsault, but Natalia gets the knees up, gets her into the sharpshooter, and Naomi taps out, and Natalia wins the SmackDown women's title in 10 minutes and 50 seconds. A uh, pretty solid match. Pretty good. Yeah. Naomi's good. I, I've always really liked Naomi, and I really like the... Uh, what do they call her gimmick? Um, the field the glow. glow or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like, like the field of glow gimmick. I, I always really liked it. The belt uh, was I mean, cool ending, too. Like the belt the that she was really good. The belt she had too while she was champion, I thought was really good. I'm I'm, I'm always for like custom titles. This worked perfectly for her. It never felt like a very cheesy gimmick. Like it was like okay, this is cool. This is like how she does it. She has she adds her flair to the thing, and it makes it better. Like it just adds to the character. It adds to the prop. It's cool, but I don't know. The blockbuster from the stairs was a really cool spot, uh, but this match is like, it was a fine match. It was fine. Yeah. I will yeah, say, fun. though, this match made me notice commentary. Commentary, even though, again, it's a slog in the beginning, I thought commentary for the most part, except for maybe, I think, two comments from JBL because it's JBL, I thought commentary did a great job. Like, JBL has a line here saying, like, Natalia's a purist. She doesn't like uh, what Naomi did to the belt. I thought that was really cool because one, like it makes sense. Natalia is kind of a little bit of an old school, like kind of character. Uh, two, it is also, I think a cool callback. Cause like that way back when, when JBL was shooting with Cena, JBL wasn't thrilled with what Cena did to the belt either. So I thought that was like a yeah. really cool kind of like, Oh cool. So time is a flat circle moment. That's a good, uh, that's a good point. Yeah. Cause that was like part, that was like the whole thing leading into that. I quit match. Yeah. It's, that we he, just watched a couple weeks ago. He slandered the belt and now JBL's carrying around the real one for him. Like the real champion he is. I was just shocked that Natalia went over because of how WWE yeah. has booked her in her entire career. Like it's so shocking to see Natalia go over. And also like, it's an indictment on WWE for not having better stuff for Naomi for the past three years. Yeah. Yes. Very Naomi, so. Naomi was like very much. I feel like to that, like right out of the first brand split, split, you're talking like 2016, 2017. 
she was like one of the main women on SmackDown, like yes. always featured in the title picture. And then at a certain point, she like disappears and like, she's still around, but like, what is the most memorable thing that she's done in the last like three years? Mate, like that one shitty angle with Mandy Rose where Mandy Rose was trying to fuck her husband. Remember that? No. Oh, wow. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah. Remember that shit? That was like, that's like the only thing that she's done in the last three years, you know? Like, I feel like she's got enough charisma to be in a secondary feud, like, even if it's not for the belt. But right now, every secondary feud is like, LOL, we're doing Nia versus Shayna tag belt drama with Reginald. That's every yeah. secondary women's feud on both shows. Yeah, like what? What? What is the deal about this Reginald guy? Why is every? Why is everything? Every women's storyline is about this guy Reginald. Who the fuck is Reginald? <laughs> He's Reginald. We're gonna learn more about guy? Reginald in the next few months. Like, why? Why is this the guy now? I don't understand. Five years that. before, he's a champion. Yeah, he's, the, he's gonna be the women's champion. Hey, I'll give the guy this. He's a good athlete. I know that. I've seen him do some cool flips. I just don't understand <laughs> what the fuck is the deal with this Reginald guy. But I don't know. Naomi, I've always really liked her a lot. I, I don't understand why she's not featured more, considering that she's got a cool gimmick, a cool entrance, good athlete. Seems like she's in a lot of good matches and can do a lot of cool spots that you don't usually see women do. I, it seems like a good person to have in there, but I guess not. So next up, now this is some shit that I really uh, do not care to remember, but I do uh, just in, in great detail. The uh, the Enzo and Cass mega powers explode angle has Sad. taken us was taken us to SummerSlam. Uh, Enzo is in the process of you know trying to set him up as like a big baby face and Cass is a big heel, and it didn't work for either case. <laughs> um, no. And at this point in the feud, Enzo and Cass are feuding. Cass is just viciously turned on his little buddy. And Enzo has instead found another huge guy, Monster Giant, to be his kind of muscle backup, and it is the Big Show. So we have Big Show and Big Cass fighting for Enzo's honor, and for some reason, Enzo More is suspended over the ring in a shark cage. Don't know why they did that. They did this a couple times around I remember this yeah. was the Royal Rumble where they had the... Kevin Owens Roman Reigns match where they had Jericho in the shark cage. <laughs> I don't know why they were obsessed with the shark cage for a little bit. They were it was on rental. They had to use it or lose it. But I I remember this feud extremely well because just a few weeks before this, um, they had Raw in Pittsburgh, and it was you know a couple weeks after my birthday. My girlfriend got me Raw tickets for a birthday present. We went up to see Monday Night Raw in Pittsburgh. And the first couple hours of the show, I mean, we, we had a great time, obviously. It's really fun to go. The first couple hours of the show, I remember, were really entertaining and really fun. And then it slowed down and died the last hour, probably because the main event was, of this fucking show was Big Show versus Big Cass. And let me tell you, the match sucked ass <laughs> then, and it sucks here at SummerSlam. Um Enzo comes out. By this point, I mean, he's doing the catchphrases. The whole catchphrase gimmick isn't quite the same when he's not saying, and this right here is Big Cass, and he's seven, seven foot, foot tall. tall. 
it's like way it feels way too short because he's just introing himself. Um, his heat, he's not as hot as he used to be, but everyone still knows the catchphrases. So he gets some, he gets some reaction. Uh, he then cuts like Enzo More, we know is a great promo. He, th- was this not the shittiest Enzo this promo? This was a bad, bad, there is nothing good about it. This was there like, was no, that's not true. There was one good line. What was it? I'm an Al Capone of this microphone. I knew it was going to be the Al Capone <laughs> line. Yeah. That one was okay. Mm-hmm. But like, he tried to do that call and response thing and no one did No it. one did it. He was dead. That was really like this is the worst Enzo Amore promo of all time. Yes. Uh, no, wait, wait, wait. There was there was one more good line. He said uh he said he would put his worst day on the mic up against Cass's best day in the ring. And I think he's right. I would I, I would right. agree with that completely because this was probably his worst day on the mic and probably Cass's best day in the ring, and they were both about the same level of shitty. <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, Big Cass comes out to kind of interrupt the end of this promo. Um, he has the most generic like music of all time. Um, they lock Enzo in. They raise the cage up to the heavens while he's going up. Enzo like pantomimes taking a shit on Cass, um, and then Show comes out. So they're selling a kayfabe injury where Show has injured his right hand. He's got it all wrapped up. Of course, the hand that he uses for the knockout punch and the hand he uses for his choke slam, And that's going to figure into the story of this match. Uh, there's no heat for this match at all. Um, Sho is beating him up and he's selling his hand the whole time. Uh, he goes up for a Vader bomb and he misses. Tries to hit the knockout punch and he hits it, but he hits it with his hurt hand. It's not full power. Um, Cass kicks out. Cass then gets a comeback, and he's going after the hand. He's stopping on the, the right arm. He's really just beating the shit out of it. Um, he slams Show's hand off the post, and he's just beating he's beating him down. We get this long segment of him uh, getting the heat. While this is going on, you start to see Enzo try to slide through the bars of this cage. And he's a pretty skinny guy. He's, like, struggling to get through. It seems like he can almost get there, but not quite. So he, like, basically takes off all of his clothes. He's revealed, takes off his pants to reveal that he is wearing a, uh, like, I Heart New York, uh, like, big boxer shorts. And he eventually, very Michael Nakazawa of him, takes off, takes out the oil from his trunks and, like, oils himself down in the, in the middle of this cage. And he's then able to slide through the bars of the cage. He gets out and he drops down into the ring and immediately Big Cass murders him with a big boot and just kills him. He sells dead. And then he hits two running big boots to Big Show, goes up, hits the Empire elbow, and Big Cass gets the pin clean in 10 minutes and 27 seconds. Not only beating uh, Big Show, but just completely killing Enzo dead and making him look like the biggest goof in the freaking universe. Which Enzo is a goof, though. I mean, the guy's great on the mic, but the guy's an absolute goof. He is, but come on. I mean, say what you want about Enzo. The guy is a hundred times more charismatic than almost anybody in that company, straight up. Uh, Oh, no, you're not wrong. Like, again, him on the mic is the second most entertaining thing throughout this entire match. Like, him, his reactions, his everything... Even if it's obnoxious to the point of like, okay, dude, it's starting to get cringy now. You can, you can re- dial it back a little bit. Uh, 
it's still better than anything else that's going on in the match. Like, this is a 10-minute match that I have four notes for. And one of the notes is they mentioned a Big Show versus Mankind match with Triple H in a cage. What was the story behind that, and where can I watch it? Because that sounds a million times more interesting than this. Hmm. Oh, shoot. You asked me too fast. I'd have to think about it. Well, that, that that's the only thing I wanted to see. I didn't want to see any part of this match. Big Show sells the hand well, I guess. He works with one hand pretty okay. But when I'm talking about that, that shows you how bad the match is. It was awful. It was shit. It was 10 minutes of absolute agony. Yep. Bad. Yeah. It did suck. We can it move sucked. along. <laughs> it was it was terrible, but I just God, I hated to remember this feud because they they did the breakup so much earlier than they ever should have, and then they did the breakup in a shitty way where no one got over, and then they both ended up disappearing within the year, essentially. And yeah. then what? Less than two years later, they're doing the stupid run-in spot at Madison Square Garden, and then disappearing forever. Wait, hold on. You remember who Cass's last feud was with, right? Cass's last feud. I actually don't remember. Remember he did it with Daniel Bryan and right after Bryan came back? Yeah, okay. Oh. And then he got in trouble because he like they had the little person gimmick and like Vince told him not to beat him up and then he did anyway. Yeah, yeah. And he yeah. like hurt him or something. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that he got cut of that after that, if I remember correctly. I yeah, forgot about that. Right. Yeah. That shit sucked. Yeah, it all sucked. It's it's incredible, like when you go back just a year before this to when they they debut on the main roster raw after mania and they're so freaking over. crazy over and it's like these are two huge future stars for this company and they never even got a tag title run not in nxt or on the main roster enzo and cast never got a tag title run boggles them up so next up we have a segment where Raw General Manager Kurt Angle is visited in his office by SmackDown General Manager Daniel Bryan, who is not wrestling yet. They scream yes, no at each other. Speaking of cringy. Yeah, this was like the most cringe promo ever. It was so bad. Uh, next up, we have a match. Randy Orton and Rusev are facing off. Rusev attacks him from behind out of nowhere before the bell. He throws him into the barricade, beats the shit out of him, throws him back into the ring. The referee starts the match. And then, basically, immediately, Randy Orton hits him with an RKO and gets the pin. Official time, 10 seconds for Orton to beat Rusev. But this was definitely a victim of timing. Do you guys remember that every pay-per-view during this ma- this era had one of these matches? Oh, yes. the RKO out of nowhere match, right? Well, no, no, no. Like, the match that was, like, billed to be, like, a normal, regular match ended in 10 seconds. Yeah. Every Vaguely. show had one of them during this time. Every, every single one. Um, that was you know meant what, to be full length and then, yeah. And you know what that means? Just let them do the match on SmackDown. Oh, really? <laughs> you think? Yeah. Oh, and that's get preposterous. Like, and then we get we, like 13 minutes on SmackDown, okay. And then we watch Randy stand around the ring for five minutes after this. Yeah, that's true. They could have cut like several minutes out of the posing and actually given us a semblance of a match. Nope. But no. I don't, and I, and I don't want to talk about Rusev here. I want to wait till he has a better match to talk about Rusev. This is not yeah. worthy of Rusev. Have we had much of a like we we haven't much had much Rusev? In the uh, give me a second. Uh, Angela's gonna pull up the fucking. Oh, he's spreadsheet. gonna pull up the spreadsheet. I yep. think this Going is like on Excel right now. Yep. No, it's uh, it's on Google Sheets. 
I'm gonna say no, this first one. This is yeah. This is his debut. This is Rusev's first match on the uh, podcast. Really? Yep. Yes. I, I I thought it was when I saw him. I mean, I just figured we had to have had something with him before. Nope. That's crazy. Okay. Well, Rusev debuts on the podcast and jobs out immediately, instantly. Just as the Lord intended. <laughs> yes. He lasts six seconds longer than Ben Askren did. Ah. Um, so, next up, Michael Cole voice. It's boss time. Stop. <laughs> Sasha Banks is challenging for the Raw Women's Championship against Alexa Bliss. And there is a segment while she's walking backstage to the ring where she gets stopped and given well wishes by her best friend, Bailey. A friendship that surely will endure and persist forever. Uh, Alexa Bliss is on top early, does some of her like gymnastic type stuff. She does her dub- uh, diving stomp moonsault double knees combo. Banks gets a comeback, slams her off the top rope. There's a cool spot where Bliss tries to do a code red out of the corner, but then Banks turns it into sort of an Alabama slam back into the turnbuckle. Uh, Banks does a backstabber into the bank statement, but Alexa Bliss makes it to the bottom rope. She rolls out of the ring. Sasha tries to jump off the ring apron onto Alexa, but Alexa yanks the ring skirt, and that kind of sends Sasha flying to the floor. I thought that was kind of clever how they worked that. She lands, starts selling her shoulder. They're selling that she has a shoulder injury. Alexa goes after and targets the shoulder for most of the rest of the match. She hits Twisted Bliss off the top rope, but Sasha kicks out. Sasha gets her into the bank statement, but Alexa gets out the first time by going after that injured shoulder, but then Sasha keeps after it, locks it in the second time, and Alexa taps out, and Sasha Banks wins the SmackDown women's title, or the Raw women's title. Sasha wins the Raw women's title in 13 minutes and 10 seconds. Another perfectly uh, solid match. The best, the best two matches of the first seven are both the women's championship matches. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah and, I agree. And, like, this one was really good. This was easily the best match of the early card. Um, Bliss is just, like, a perfect example of size doesn't matter. Like, she, the way she presents... Oh, you keep telling yourself that, buddy. Yeah. No, but, like, <laughs> she is, like, five foot even, and, like... Anyone you put her up against, like she had a few with Nia Jax, where she looks again tiny. Feuds with Bailey looks tiny. Even like Banks, who's a little bit like of a, a more life wrestler, still Bliss still looks small next next to her. But Bliss always carries herself like she's like six foot six, and she puts on good matches. She has a great character, um, and she just plays the heel role perfectly. She's incredible in that role. Um, Mileage may vary with what she's doing with The Fiend right now. Some people love it. Some people, you know, it's a little bit cheesy. But I think she just does a great work in the ring. She has always been really good with her character. And her matches are always entertaining, and she always puts people over. Sasha here, again, every, like, Sasha's great in the ring. Really great technical worker. I love every time where she does, like, the backstabber into the bank statement combination because it just looks extremely brutal. And this was a fun match. Like, you have a good story told in it. There's a lot of back and forth. Either person feels like they can win, and, you know, Sasha goes over here, which is always a good thing. Uh, is it always a good thing? Because I'm a big Alexa guy. I think uh, both of them are great. I, I For me, I don't care which one's cause, like which one wins, because, again, the title is a prop, Jacob. Yeah, the title yeah. is a prop. I, 
I, I'm not exaggerating when I say Alexa Bliss is my favorite modern female wrestler. I just like okay, yeah, sure, whatever the fiend stuff now. But 2016 to 18, Alexa Bliss, I just cannot get enough of her like, uh, like bratty gimmick. I guess I always thought that she did it so well. The goddess. Yeah, the goddess. Like I just, I just yeah. love the goddess Alexa Bliss. Like, uh, like just her- psychotic, like psychotic mean girl Alexa yes, Bliss. Exactly. Yeah. Like, like psychotic mean girl that can also kind of kick your ass a little bit. Like, yeah. Like you can't just be a jerk back because she's gonna DDT your ass. You she, know, she's a mean girl that like might be the uh, main antagonist in Scream. Yeah, yeah. Or like. Uh, Oh man, there was a there was a video game called like Lollipop Chainsaw or something like that. <laughs> what? He's, yeah, no, no. Look that I've shit never up. Heard of look it. that shit up right now. Like Lollipop Chainsaw, I think is what it was. Uh, she looks like the main character out of that. I think. No shit, she does. Hold okay, yeah, I've never <laughs> heard of this before. I've legit never heard of this before. I don't know how. I don't know why I just thought of that. Um, it, it's something that's very underrated about this match. Uh, they both have great themes. I personally, yes. Yeah. Uh, even yeah. though Alexa's might, I, I never thought hers was generic. I, I've always thought that hers was was very fitting, uh, and Sasha's I think is really good. I think um, Sasha's now is better, but this was not a bad theme for the time. Did did Sasha sing her own? No, I don't think so. Okay, it just it, it sounded like it could have been, which you know, oh, instantly for me takes the power level higher. So, well, the highest power level is. Um, when you sing your own theme song, obviously. Right. right. But the second highest is when your theme song is such that it's not you, but like the voice is what like like you think that it could be that. It could be yeah. an auto tune version like, of like you speaking. Like the Big Show's theme song, I always picture the Big Show singing, <laughs> even though I know it's not him. Like, I always thought it was for like, yeah. the longest time. Like it sounds like it could be like. Like that that sounds kind of like it could be the big show, you know what I mean? I I that's like the second highest. So, I get what you're saying there. But yeah, I love I I also am a big fan of like this era of Alexa Bliss. I think her mannerisms were so great. No one was better. No one like ever has been better at just portraying like just complete and absolute disgust of everything around. Yes. Her. Mm-hmm. And I I've said this I've said this multiple every time we've had Elected Bliss, I talk about the one promo, and I'm gonna talk about it here again. Elimination Chamber, I think like twenty eighteen, she's like like she wins she wins the Elimination Chamber and she's like and I just wanna say this for all the little girls out there that are watching me and you think you can and you think you can do anything now. You will never be anything like me. And I just lose it every time. <laughs> it was a great promo. There's, I remember like, that one. That was a great every promo. time I just think, oh man, she's going face. Ah, psych. There's also a moment, I think she does this in a few of her matches, where like uh, Sasha's on the outside and the count's to nine, and she gets in at the very last second. Instead of looking wide-eyed like every heel saying, oh my god, how'd they get in? She immediately goes on the attack. Yeah, just beats the shit out of her. Yeah, guy. it's like, okay, cool, you got back in the ring. I'm going to kick your ass some more. Yeah. Like... Her being, like, she has a very, like, like, she's very aggressive in the ring, and that fits really well. Yes. You know? Like, she, she's just angry all the time. Uh, yeah. But a pretty good match here. Sasha going over, of course, Sasha, one of the great women's wrestlers of, you know, probably the last 20 years. Yeah. So, not going to argue with her winning. Next up, 
We had I love this KFC commercial though. We gotta talk about it. <laughs> oh, God. We got uh the dueling colonels. We had all the jabronis are dressed up as colonels. This I, this is another illustration of like you guys we know how hot Becky Lynch got over the course of the, the next year plus. This is where she was in summer of two thousand seventeen. She's in the KFC Colonels commercial with all Simply of the incredible Heath, with Heath Slater and like R Truth and Dolph and like all of the geeks. We need to talk about the R Truth cameo though, where he just walks in and is like, "Oh, you're trying to be the Colonel too?" Is like, dressed up as what? <laughs> yeah, he's never heard of KFC before. Which I mean, that's that's the R Truth gimmick, but yeah. And then we find out at the end of the commercial that the new Colonel. Is actually Shawn Michaels, and then we get a video of Shawn Michaels doing his entrance as the Colonel. So I I, I want to know where they like taped that because <laughs> it's like in front of the audience, like it kind of looks like he's coming out right now as the Colonel, but it's yeah. obviously for a commercial. Must have been like but a house know. show or something. Maybe it was like the pre pre show. Dude, imagine going to a, a house show <laughs> and all of a sudden, like. Here comes Shawn Michaels dressed up as Colonel Sanders and he dances around. Oh my around. god. He does his whole like stripper entrance from 1995 and then he leaves. And that's it. You're just sitting there like, what the fuck just happened? What did I watch? Did I imagine Why that? is Shawn Michaels here? Why is Shawn Michaels here in, uh, in Dubuque? Like, <laughs> and why is he just the Colonel? Yeah. So next up, remember this absolute dog shit Bray Wyatt Finn Balor feud that sucked oh, and got nobody over? We almost saw Sister Abigail through it. Yeah, this ended up becoming the Sister Abigail feud, and then what? I think Finn got injured, right? No, didn't. Or was Bray it Bray got injured? Uh, yeah, no, Bray got like the mumps or some shit, didn't he? Yeah, you might be right. I know something happened to somebody in the at feud. TLC. It was uh, or the measles or some shit. It was it was AJ versus Finn, and that match whipped. Yes, you're right. You you are you are correct. Your memory, Baby. your memory of 2017 <laughs> is better than mine. It was Bray. He, they were gonna do the whole Sister Abigail gimmick, yeah. and then it ended up not happening. AJ replaced him because he had a, uh, a health issue, and that match was fucking awesome. So yeah, it was really good. But um, this is the you know what a month or two before they're doing this feud. I will say this. All time, it, 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 as far as entrances go, the Firefly entrance for Bray Wyatt is still one of the greatest wrestling entrances of all time. Period. Any era of wrestling, anyone, it is one of the great, the just majestic entrances yes. in wrestling. And he is taking on Demon Finn. So we've got two great entrances, two great gimmicks. Um, Demon Finn comes in. I remember it being kind of weird that he was Demon Finn. Like, I remember not thinking that this feud merited Demon Finn at all, but because it was built up that he went Demon in, like, the biggest possible matches. And here's this feud that he's been doing with Bray for three weeks over kind of nothing. And he's going Demon. But it's SummerSlam, it's a big night, he's going Demon. Demon Finn never freaking loses. Um, he comes out, he does his whole entrance, smoke everywhere. Everyone loved the gimmick. Finn's pretty over. I thought it was cool how even when the match started, the ringside area is still covered in smoke. Like, Bray slides out at the beginning of the match, and there's just smoke everywhere. Finn starts really hot in this match. 
He hits a running shotgun drop kick on the floor. He does his big flip dive over the top rope. Bray comes back. He hits a rope hung suplex to the floor. Gets the heat for a while. Finn comes back. He hits a uh, stop on the back of Bray's neck to the outside. Hits the sling blade. Tries to come back in with another running move, but Bray kills him with a big boot. Hits his Uranagi for a two count. Uh, hits a running senton. Goes up to the middle rope, but Finn gets up there. Hits him with a jumping kick. Hits him with uh, Goldust's final cut move for a two count. Running shotgun drop kick into the barricade. He goes for another drop kick, but Bray kills him with a lariat. He is in the middle of the ring. Bray's closing in on the finish. He does his weird, like, like bridge walk thing that he used to do that was really spooky and everyone was spooked when he would do it. But then Finn, basically, he hulks up, essentially, the demon Finn. He demons up and he comes back, no-sells everything, hits a sling blade, hits the John Woo drop kick, goes up and hits the coup de gras and gets the pin. And Finn Balor, Demon Finn, wins the match. 10 minutes and 40 seconds. It was all right. I actually thought this match was kind of bad. I yeah. Was okay. I didn't, didn't like, care. It's fine. It could have been worse. Like, you well, have, how much, how, how long was this one? 10 minutes. 10, 10 minutes, 40 seconds. Like, I don't know. What, like, 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 my first question would be, what was the point of this match? What was the point? What do you guys think? Ah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to have something clip, for these two guys shit. to do, I guess. I don't like, know. Like, like, did hey, you want to? They, they decided to do this feud, obviously, because they have supernatural aspects to their character, right? I mean, Bray right. is a spooky guy. And, you know, Finn does demon. So it's like, what? hey, we'll have him demon and they'll do spooky shit to each other. But the match, so, I mean, it's just... But that doesn't sell itself, though. Like, that can't no. be the whole story. That's not really... Uh, there's not really a story there. It's just kind of like... Hey, I'm spooky, you're spooky, let's spook down at each other. <laughs> that's kind of what I'm saying, like... Like, why don't we get a regular match with Rusev Orton? Then you make this a squash where Demon Finn wipes the floor. Like, if, if you're going to do the Sister Abigail thing, where Demon Finn wipes the floor with Bray, and then Bray's like, oh, you think that you're good as as the demon? Wait till you see mine. And then he becomes Sister Abigail. Yes. Like, doesn't, doesn't that make more sense That makes you? more sense, think, even if it's still a bad story. I think that I'm makes... I'm saying it's good. <laughs> I think that makes perfect sense, really. I, I think that makes perfect sense. But, I mean, obviously... But. Obviously, I get on Angelo for fantasy book and shit, so I'm not going to start doing that, but that's just my thought. But, like, this match itself, I never felt like Bray... Bray had some moments of offense, but I never felt like Bray was in control. No, he for, was never for the, for, the, for the most part, it's like Demon Finn kicks his ass. This is, like, a 10-minute squash almost. Because, like, Bray has some, like, some big offensive moves, but it never feels like he's really ever winning this match. He has, like, suplex to the outside. There's a lot of finisher teases, which, you know, builds up some tension. But the demon just wipes, like, kicks the shit out of Bray. Bray looks like a chump. And it's just, like, one of the many booking decisions that WWE did that made Bayou Boogeyman Bray, which could have been a more rational version of, like, a supernatural gimmick, and made him have to go, you know what? Okay, so we've already destroyed the Bayou Boogeyman. Now I have to be the fiend who can eat 15 finishers because otherwise I look like a jabroni. Wait, Angelo, do you know how many matches Bray won from 2014 to, like, 2018? Could you enlighten me? He, literally he won, won exactly like... one, and it was the Elimination Chamber match. That was it. Wait, really? Yeah. I mean, like on, no, on, but... pay, on, like, pay-per-view, at least, yeah. Like, 
That's Bray disgusting. lost all the I mean, not, time. It's not literally one, but it's like all the freaking time. <laughs> yeah. How to star build in WWE in the mid 2000s? He lost. He lost like four straight pay per view matches to John Cena or like Cena adjacent characters. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and that was like at the beginning of his run. Yeah. I mean, that's another one that I, we'll talk about some other, some other gimmicks that I don't understand how they fucked up. Uh, later on in this, uh, this card, I think you might know who I'm talking about specifically, but like, Bray, such a, that, that is such an awesome fucking gimmick. It was it's so, so cool. Good. It's so cool. The entrance is unbelievable. He was so good at pulling off that, like cutting those kind of cryptic, spooky promos and making them interesting. And then you have, like, Luke fucking Harper as his backup. Like, his, one of the best big men of the last 20 years. And his delivery. I don't know how they fucked it up. His delivery, too. His and deli- he himself could work, too. Bray could go in the ring, man. I don't know how they fucked it up that badly. His delivery, he too, with promos. Been, like, the easiest thing in the world would have been to have Taker Bray at Mania and Bray go over and kind of pass the torch as the top spooky guy from Taker to Bray. And they built that up. And then Bray jobbed out. Like he always did. No, too obvious. I don't, I don't know how they fucked that up. I don't get it. It was perfect. It was perfect. It was there. It was there, man. It was fucking there. But this no. Me off, brother. David, are you mad? I have never been mad before. I have never been mad because of Something so trifling as wrestling before Angela. Thank he's you. not mad. He's just disappointed. Thank you. So next up, Raw Tag Team Titles. We have the reunited Shield pair of Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose. They are challenging the bar, Cesaro and Sheamus, for the belts. This was like the payoff of the... Very long and actually very well done story of Seth and Dean getting back together, like learning to trust each other once again and reuniting as a tag team. Um, a story that was so good that it actually got my girlfriend, who does not give a shit about wrestling, to get really invested in it for like that whole summer. Like she was so invested in Seth. She just wants Seth and Dean to kiss. That's what, I mean, that is, that is her wording. She wanted Seth and Dean to kiss. <laughs> And when they kissed, she was elated. I cannot, I, I cannot <laughs> emphasize enough. That, I mean, that's how good the story was and how well executed it was. And Seth and Dean themselves, as opponents and as tag team partners, always just had tremendous chemistry. So, uh, yeah. So, um, she just walked out and is staring at me right now. <laughs> um, we're talking about you, Molly. Yeah, we're talking about you. So, uh, this is a really good match. Again, Seth and Dean always had great chemistry, and the first part of this match is them showing off that great chemistry. They hit a bunch of great double teams in the first few minutes of this match, but then, as far as the heels, they get the heat. Sheamus kills Dean Ambrose on the outside with a broke kick. Seth tries to dive onto the two of them. They catch him and just, like, launch him onto the floor. So now it is double team city on Seth for a while. Dean is out. Uh, Cesaro hits him with a, a bunch of moves. He hits him with a great gut red suplex. Seth tries to make the tag, but he can't because Dean is still dead on the outside and they beat him up some more. At one point, this is one of my favorite parts of the whole show when 
Cesaro all of a sudden just sprints off into the crowd, and everyone's like, what the fuck? And you see Cesaro sprint off into the crowd, and then you see him walking back. He grabbed a beach ball that the fans were knocking around in the, yeah. in the, in the crowd, and he just went and grabbed the beach ball and just starts ripping it to shreds with his bare hands. <laughs> Which was awesome. And the crowd, that gets a huge pop from the crowd. Uh, <laughs> Dean eventually finally makes it back up to the ring apron. He tags in. He takes the bar out with a big dive. Uh, hits another double suicide dive onto both of them. Seth and Dean hit this cool sort of variation of the heart attack at one point on Cesaro, where instead of a clothesline, Seth hits him with a sling blade. Uh, but Dean tries to, Dean comes off the top rope. Cesaro catches him out of midair with a great European uppercut. Uh, they uh, Dean then comes back with his rebound clothesline for a near fall. They hit a super a superplex frog splash combination on Sheamus, but Cesaro breaks up the pin. Cesaro gets Dean in the swing and then puts him in the sharpshooter. He turns it into a crossface. Uh, the bar gets Dean up. They do a kind of uh, powerbomb doomsday device type move on him, but he kicks out. They then throw him with a double razor's edge, but Seth breaks up the pin. And the finish of this match is great. Sheamus has him up for the white noise, and they have Cesaro up on the top rope. They're going to do some kind of big double team move. But Seth springboards out of nowhere. Hurricane Rana's Cesaro off the top rope into Sheamus, then hits a running knee, Sheamus turns around into a Dirty Deeds, and Dean Ambrose gets the pin. Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose win the titles in a great match to a huge reaction when they get the pin. 18 minutes and 35 seconds. Seth and uh, Dean have kissed and won the titles. We need we need to talk about your use of the word razor's edge <laughs> because that wasn't a razor's edge because it didn't win the match, David. Do you okay. think... Do you think Razor Ramon would let the Razor's Edge be used if it didn't win a match? Okay, I will correct myself. It was a double crucifix powerbomb. Thank you for your correction. <laughs> Angelo, proceed. All right. I actually, the one of the things I really enjoyed about this match, one, like the story, the promo package, it was great. It was a great storyline. But I also think they did a great job selling it as two individuals versus one team. Like, obviously, Dean and Seth, they teamed in the past, but they are kind of, like, their own guys now. Whereas, like, Cesaro and Sheamus are very much, like, that one team, that one unit, one goal ahead. I, I thought they played their roles perfectly well. I'm pissed that they missed the bro kick on D uh, Dean on the outside early in the match, because that's, like, a huge point in the the match itself. Is because now you have Seth in there alone because Dean is inca incapacitated. Uh David, you mentioned the, like the sling blade heart attack. I thought that was also a really cool move, really unique variation on it. But this was just a ton of fun. I mean, Cesaro and Sheamus, two of the better guys in the business. Again, Dean and Seth, also two great guys in the business. Um, Dean sells kickouts very intensely. Like, there's never a kickout. <laughs> a lot of guys just do the like the little shoulder roll off the mat every every time Dean gets a two count. He's kicking out with his entire force. Dean, that just, that like, just reminded Dean, me of something I need to send you guys. Yeah. I'm going to send it. Dean does like a full body like spasm and then he like makes a face like he's just drowned. Like he was drowning and he just came up for air. Yes. You know? It's perfect. Um, there, and, uh, another spot. Again, I'm a sucker for whenever Cesaro goes into the swing and then the sharpshooter. I think it's a great like finishing combo. 
And I like when he like wins match with it, matches with it. I'm like, okay, so this could be the end here. Again, just a ton of fun. The storyline hits. Uh, everyone plays their roles perfectly. It's not made a mockery of. There's not a lot of, like run-ins or gimmicks or cheap shots or like things that would drag the match down. This is just a straight up wrestling match with a straight up story with a great ending. And that's again, you can't book it. I don't think you could book it better than how they booked it here. Yeah. And just the booking of the storyline itself, because obviously the Shield was a, a huge, huge faction in WWE, one that the fans were very invested in. They do the huge breakup. I mean, like the entire period of like 2015 through 2017 booking in WWE is like very Shield centric. I mean, even before that, like, I mean, you're talking about 2014 to 2017. It's all very Shield centric. It's the all more- about the Shield and then the fallout of the shield breaking up and then them getting back together, but they didn't hot shot any of it. You know what I mean? It all built up really well. The latter part of CM Punk's title run is when the shield started. And so you have them feuding with like a lot of the top guys. It's not for a title. It's just mostly out of respect. Like, so you have the older veterans like Cena, Ryback, Sheamus, they're, they're feuding with the shield because the shield are the upstarts or the young guns are trying to earn their keep. And then the veterans are like, you're doing it the wrong way. Then they eventually go into, okay, so now you're going to have, I think it was Roman and Seth won the tag titles, and then you had Dean win the U.S. title, and so you keep on building up. Then you get multi-team, multi-tag title runs. You get like, the first guy to have a shot at the world title. Um, you get to put up that upper card. Like They were built up in a great way. They came out as enforcers, as guys that did the run-ins that ganged up on each other individually i think they probably took their losses in like again general raws or smackdowns but as a group they always made came out on top and that was kind of like their whole thing and then they got to a point where you could individually have them each stand on their own which ultimately led to like you know the seth heel turn and how the rest of the era was booked they did such a great job with it and then they completely what two years ago now dropped the ball with one of those guys and now one of those guys is in their Greatest competition they've had since the late 90s. And is like the biggest star of that entire promotion. Yep. I'm watching yeah. this. I'm watching this TikTok that Jake just sent us of all these oversells. I think my favorite one, my favorite one is the one of the super kick where uh, he just like hangs in the middle rope like he broke his neck. Like did, yeah. did you see who the first one was? Wait, who was the first one? Oh, go back and look at who did the oversell, David. Because the first one, the the one that I liked was Kyle Fletcher from Aussie Open. I don't know. Oh no, 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 no! Go, go see if you can tell who that first one is. Oh, that's that's John Moxley. Yeah, that's, that's a young Moxley. Moxley. Wait, yeah. what? Yeah, the dude. first that's a young Moxley. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's I wasn't the, even looking. I mean, the hair is so different, but like, that, I wasn't but that's even why really I said it because Angel's talking about how he kicks out, and I was like, look at him oversell this punch. Yeah, he he, just, it's a punch where he just like lands on his back and then rolls over and is just basically doing like a handstand on his neck for like wait that, that's mox yes that that's is mox. john moxley oh right there that's awesome yeah i'm glad that i i just remembered that whenever angelo was talking about how he kicked out and i was like oh shit remember that one time how he sold that's a great yeah. sell my favorite my favorite mox picture of all time is from one time in like 2007 he was like enhancement talent on like velocity like WWE yeah. Velocity back when that yeah. was a show. And he shows up and there's this picture of him in Velocity where he has like this long, like dyed pink hair. And it's a very extremely cursed Moxley. Oh, I'm going to try and I find this up. 
Yeah, just search pink hair Moxley. It's yeah. extremely cursed. But yeah, um, match freaking rules. Absolutely loved it. Loved the booking of the sh- uh, loved the booking of the storyline, and the crowd goes crazy for this shit. They love it. I was eating it up the whole time, and everyone else in the bar. David, this is it. bad. It is. It is like it is. Oh my god! I just, I just put it in the group chat so we can all relive it for a second. But it is absolutely just horrible blood. He magic. looks. He looks like Jeff Hardy. He does a little bit. (laughs) He does a little bit. It's something that Jeff Hardy would do. He's got that that thick chain around his neck. I just Uh, noticed, I haven't talked about the match. I'm going to get my my opinions in on this. Uh, I love that they were still Sheamus and Cesaro, not the bar yet. Even though I personally think the bar is one of my top five nicknames for a tag team ever. Because of how they got it when they say, we don't just set the bar... We are, we are the, bar. the bar. And it was I love so, that. it was so organic too. Not unlike Dirty yeah. Dogs. Yeah, yeah, the Dirty Dogs or the War War Dogs or whatever it was it was. Uh, I also, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I have a hot take. Okay, you're allowed to disagree, but you're not allowed to call me names. I liked the ripcord knee. I just liked it. You stupid idiot! Stupid. How dare no? That's a good move. I like yeah. I, I liked it too. I liked it too. Uh, but like as his finish, no. But, because that Not was his finish at this point. Yeah, it was because they weren't letting him do the stomp anymore. Yeah, and it was before and, it was before was the a, pedigree, right? It was that no, it was that weird it was that weird period where like he started using the pedigree when he was with the authority because it was like Triple H's move and he was like aping Triple H pretty much. Yeah. And then it was that weird period where he had like he turned babyface, but he was still using the pedigree. But then it was like that's a heel move; you shouldn't yeah. be using it. So like, but they weren't letting him use the stomp anymore. So. He started doing the ripcord knee for a while, and yeah, this is when that was his finisher. I wish, I wish he set it up like he could have done the the uh, rainmaker thing with it, where it's like if he's running and hits it, it's a two count. But if he hits the full ripcord on it, it might be a three. I think yeah. it depends on how like the guy that. sells it too. Like yeah, the guy, that's, that's for the sure. guy selling it has to sell like he's out like a sack of potatoes. Like, right. like, like, if, like if he just ate one, if he yeah. does like the stagger or the oversell, it's going to look bad. I think the best way to sell that would just be as soon as you get hit, just collapse. Yeah. 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 Like, like you actually just took a, a Jorge Masvidal knee to the head. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I agree with that. I always wonder, you know, this is, this is a Rollins. I, I always wish during this period that they brought back. The God's Last Gift, his move from his finisher from Ring of Honor. I love that move. He doesn't do hold it on, ever. Hold on, hold on. Describe it really quick. It was like it was like a fisherman buster, but then he would like land into a small package. Yes, yes. I yes. love that move. That move that kicked was a good ass. Move. That move kicked ass. He never does it. Why not the Falcon Arrow? No one kicks out of the Falcon Arrow. That's I've true. never seen anyone kick out of the Falcon Arrow, TBH. Me neither. Me neither. Hmm. So uh yeah. Seth and Dean, a great match. They go over, they win the tag titles. So, three matches to go. Uh, I was remembering earlier on the uh, the Finn Balor-Bray Wyatt feud that sucked. Remember the KO-Shane feud that sucked? Oh, oh God. So which one? Did they feud, like, three times? It was sort of a, to my memory, like a Bret Hart-Jerry Lawler type thing where they literally just feuded for three straight years. <laughs> 
Uh, it just never stopped. And at every single turn, Kevin Owens looked like the biggest jabroni in America. Uh, and that is where we have, uh, th- that is involved in this match. It is Kevin Owens. He's challenging AJ Styles for the United States Championship. And, uh, Shane McMahon is the special guest referee. And I do want to say, they redesigned the United States title belt. And I think the new one looks fine. I miss the old one, though. Old one's yeah. better. Yeah. I, I saw this one out. I, I saw AJ walk out with this belt, and I was like, ooh, I missed that one. Um, so, yeah. They are fighting before the bell sounds, and KO and Shane are arguing basically the whole match. I thought it was kind of funny because the the announcers the whole time are pushing this line about how Kevin Owens is seeing conspiracies everywhere. <laughs> I and have the same note. I was like, yeah, well now now it's now Sami Zayn is the guy with all the conspiracies, and Kevin Owens is like, yo, dude, there's no conspiracies. So KO sold out because there are totally conspiracies going on. Um, one thing that ruined this match for me a little bit. So a lot of it is about Shane McMahon as a special guest referee. Was it just me, or did he look incredibly unhealthy? Oh, he looked bad. He looked jittery. He looked incredibly red and was, like, sweating profusely the whole time. (laughs) But he's always sweating profusely. I know, and, like, he really should look into that. (laughs) Because it's not like, yes, when when Jake is physically exerting himself, I can tell you, having played played basketball with him many times, (laughs) He sweats a lot, right? You're just one of those people who sweats a lot. <laughs> I some do, people I do. do and some people don't. But like you sweat a lot when you're like we're we're playing basketball. You know, you're exerting yourself. I'm running Shane and jumping and shit. Yeah. Shane is literally like walking around <laughs> like he walks to the ring and he is dripping with sweat and he is like and just is just like completely red. My favorite thing about this match was like the whole reason why Shane was here. Was because they need a ref that could take a bump. We just discussed Dalton Jacobs on the last podcast. And here we have Shane, who's supposed to be playing that role, but is just as fragile as every ref in the history of WWE. Yeah, he ref bumps multiple times in this match and is just dead for a little bit. You know, he doesn't like, he doesn't just like bounce right back up and take. And I think, I think Shane, like Kevin Owens makes a reference to that at one point when like, like he takes a bump and he misses a cover or something. And KO like walks over, is like yelling at him, and he's like, he says something like, "You're supposed to be able to take you, a bump." Yeah, he says something like, "You jump off buildings, but you can't get over to count the three here." You know, <laughs> like does he really? Oh yeah, my he God. says something like that. Like we're supposed to believe that the guy who fell off hell in a cell and jumped off the stage and all that stuff, like, oh yeah, he got bumped into, so he's dead. But they kind of do that in this match, so it's it's tough to suspend disbelief. And yes. Shane, the entire time, looks like he's about to have a hor- like just a coronary in the middle of the ring. Um, but it, this is a very, very well-worked match. They really go back and forth throughout the, the first part of this match. Uh, very, very good work. Um, AJ hits his sit-out face buster, gets him up for the Styles Clash. He, uh, Kevin Owens escapes. He then dodges his uh, like springboard kind of moonsault DDT, kills him with a super kick. AJ comes back, hits his uh, Ushigoroshi neckbreaker, hits a sunset flip powerbomb, goes for the springboard 450, but Kevin Owens grabs Shane and pulls him on top of him to take the move. So we get a ref bump there, first of a couple of them. 
Kevin Owens then hits the pop-up power bomb, but Shane is selling the 450. He is late to count, and AJ kicks out. AJ puts him in the calf crusher, and then KO boots AJ into Shane, and he flies out of the ring. He gets him back into the calf crusher. Kevin Owens taps, but Shane is not there to see it. And AJ, like an idiot, lets go of the hold, even though Shane was not there to see the tap and stop the match. Um, AJ gets into Shane's face because he's mad because Shane is supposed to take a bump. Why are you here if you can't take a bump? Uh, Shane, like, pushes him away into a roll-up attempt from Kevin Owens. He then hits a middle rope fisherman buster for a two-count. AJ then goes for a roll-up. Turns it into the Styles Clash, but Kevin Owens kicks out. Not often you see someone kick out of the Styles Clash. Styles goes for the phenomenal forearm, but that goes right into the pop up power bomb. Uh, Shane counts the three, but then after he hits the the mat for the third time, he sees AJ's foot on the ropes and he waves it off. He says, "No, that's a two count. His foot was on the ropes." KO is absolutely apoplectic at Shane. He gets in his face. Shane pushes him away, and right into a roll-up attempt, AJ then turns it into a Pele kick, hits the phenomenal forearm, hits the Styles Clash, and he gets the pin and wins the match. AJ Styles retains the U.S. title in 17 minutes and 20 seconds. Uh, some chicanery, but a pretty good match. Look, this match was made for me just seeing the intensity that Kevin Owens and AJ like, were showing at the beginning of the match, like the sheer dislike for one another that they're selling. I thought that was great. You know what this match did not need? Shane flipping McMahon. It did not need Shane McMahon this, at Shane all. is only ever good for a big spot on a big card. You're taking away one of my marks, Angelo and Gleason. Well, I'm sorry. It has to be said. Uh, when Because Shane has two roles. One, he's the guy that kills himself on a card. Or two, he's a special guest referee. Him as special guest referee is always bad. It's always terrible. It's always excruciating. And I'm sure he's going to be a special guest referee in some Elias versus Elias Braun, Braun Strowman match. Strowman. So I know that's down the line. However, like both these guys put on a great match. I think this is like the way you kind of build up guys. I know this is AJ Styles and Kevin Owens. They don't really need to be built up because they're already like big deals. You had Owens show up against Cena, Styles, everyone wrestling fan that's a casual fan. No styles because he was so damn good. Um, so you don't really need to build them up, but I feel like this means good things for like, again, if you look at two guys right now, um, Biggie and Apollo who are just kind of like feuding together and like in a really intense feud. I don't know. Maybe we see a Apollo Cruz World Championship run at some point. Cause again, he's another great worker, just needs work on the mic and who knows what his current gimmick is. Uh, but there's a lot of like moments where you have some great flowing wrestling. Uh, you mentioned it, like the moonsault into the super kick into the Oshigaroshi uh, neckbreaker. Am I saying that correctly? Yes, you are. Awesome. Wow. Wow. Please do not do not disrespect Hiroki Goto by mispronouncing the name of that move. <laughs> um, you also have the sunset flip power bomb. I also appreciate like you have Kevin Owens kicking out of a Styles Clash in just a U.S. title match. And then it takes Styles doing the phenomenal forearm and another Styles clash to put him down. I appreciate that. That's how you build up guys because Kevin Owens still looks good in defeat. Styles looks like a guy who's just willing to kick anyone's ass to keep his title. And then you have Shane McMahon playing the role of clown that I don't want to see anymore. 
I think Shane's that like in the same. Shane is in the same category of DX. Is it's like, you know what middle schoolers find cool? Shane McMahon. Know what no, I don't? Yeah. Know what no, I don't no find one, cool? No middle schooler finds Shane McMahon cool. Jake, you want to weigh in on that? I kind of did. <laughs> <laughs> so, middle schoolers find Shane McMahon cool. I'm not going to be Do watching. You guys it. remember whenever he returned a couple years ago during what? the Vince and Stephanie thing? I oh. was going to say. So that return was great because Shane had been out of WWE for years. He was not like affiliated with the company in any way anymore. He was doing his own thing. Hadn't been seen in so long. Like the return was awesome. And the, the pop for that is huge. Like it's crazy. Every single thing Shane has done after that has all sucked. It's Didn't all it result trash. in the Undertaker one? In the Undertaker match? Yes. He... Has had a couple good stunts. He got thrown off the hell in the cell or whatever, right? Twice. Twice. Um, you know, you get your stunts with Shane. There's been a couple, you know, he, he's done a cool couple coast to coast. That's what you get with Shane. But, but like, every, single, like... every single storyline and angle he's been in, especially the last two, three years, has been brutal. The best thing he's done is Raw Underground. And that sucked too. <laughs> that was the dumbest shit ever. <laughs> I, I actually... And even like like nowadays, I don't like Shane stunts that much because like that guy's got kids. Like, yeah, I can't, I can't in good conscience root for this man to die whenever he's got kids. Yeah. He's got kids. He needs this job. He's got. He needs kids. this job. He's got kids. But yeah, I mean, like from the, the the KO feud, which stretched on forever, and he just made KO look like an idiot the whole time. Raw Underground, the best in the world, Shane McMahon. This current feud with Braun Strowman, which is the single worst thing I've ever seen in my entire life. It's all been bad. And at the same time, throughout all of this, every single time he's on screen, he is red-faced and sweating profusely, and it makes me seriously concerned for his health. I don't want this man to die on my television screen. It sucks, brother. Yeah. This sucks. This was a really good match. It didn't need the Shane shit. Shane, we didn't talk Shane, about AJ go away. Or Kevin Owens in this. Because I, th- I thought they were good, personally. But, yeah. you know, they did get overshadowed. The actual work in this match was very, very good. I enjoyed watching the actual wrestling tremendously. But I just... I personally was distracted by just Shane's presence and how horrible he looked. I'll be honest with you. When in doubt, have Shane go over. Yeah. The best in the world, Shane McMahon. That was what about a year a year away from that, right? Yeah, yep. that crown jewel. Yep, crown jewel twenty nineteen. Yeah, uh, yeah, I guess twenty nineteen, right? No, this was crown jewel later this year. Because I think more than one crown jewel. Yes, because the other one was when the Undertaker came back for Styles. So next up, we have first of two main events. World title matches. We have Jinder Mahal defending the WWE title against Shinsuke Nakamura. So I watched this show today and I was blown away by. So Shinsuke's entrance was so incredible Uh, that it made me angry. I was watching it and getting progressively more and more pissed off. He has. The 
the uh, the the live violin entrance by uh, Lee England Jr., the violinist who played him out at NXT Takeover, brought him back for this. Um, he's the crowd's going insane. They got the strobe lights flashing. Shinsuke's doing all his weird, like you know, kind of dance moves or whatever he does, and like the crowd is losing their minds. It is a just an explosion of pure charisma. That is, like, it is, you you almost have to avert your eyes. It is difficult to look at it directly because it is such an incredible, overwhelming explosion of charisma. And I'm watching this, and this entrance is so awesome, and the crowd is so into it, that it starts making me really angry because I do not understand how they fucking botched this guy that bad. How? How did they do it? How the fuck did they do it? I present Dean Ambrose. I don't understand. I do some, not understand. Sometimes I wonder too, like if Shinsuke had come up at any time other than during Vince's like we're gonna make gender a star phase, like could it have worked differently? And I think it's a yes. Maybe, maybe. I just I don't understand how he never got a title <laughs> run. Never really got to like he won the Royal Rumble and then he lost at Mania and turned heel and that was well, it. You know? I mean, have you guys ever, I mean, I think I'm getting ahead of myself, but have you guys, like, ever listened to what Shinsuke has, himself has said about this? Like, he was always okay with this. Well, he but, shouldn't have been because it was a bad idea. I know, but he was always okay with, like, like him coming to WWE was like, yeah, I'm just going to go fuck around in other companies and just do whatever the hell I want because I'm Shinsuke Nakamura. And if that's what he wants, then... That's fine. I, doing, far be it for me. Far be it for me to tell anyone, especially Shinsuke Nakamura, right. how, to, how to live his life. You know how but, to go about his wrestling career. But, bro, come the fuck on! Like, you cannot watch this entrance. It's it's legitimately one of the greatest wrestling yes. entrances I have ever seen in my entire Easy. life. Like, you watch it for five seconds, and there is more star power in those five seconds than. Anywhere else on the show combined, you know, it's unbelievable. And then, to his credit, Jinder Mahal comes in, and he has himself a pretty damn good entrance, too. We'll say this about Jinder. His matches all suck. His promos all suck. Every single storyline as champion he was ever in, it all sucked. It was a terrible, terrible idea. But, I'll give the guy credit. He looked like he a He looked like a million bucks, baby. And he carried himself like a champ. So, that's cool. It could have been a little worse, I guess. After all this, you have the incredible Shinsuke intro. You have a great entrance for Jinder. The crowd is super, super, super into Shinsuke. I mean, they're chanting his name. They're singing along to his theme song during the match. I mean, the stage is set for something big. And then after all that, it is just the most nothing match you have ever seen in your life. Jinder beats him down for a while at the first half of this match. Jinder getting the heat. Shinsuke comes back. He hits most of his usual moves. He hits the series of kicks. He hits the running knee into the corner. He puts him in a triangle arm bar, but Jinder gets his foot on the rope. He uh, ends up... Jinder sets him up for the Colossus, his finishing move, but Shinsuke fights out. Hits a Kinshasa running knee to the back of the head in the corner. He's setting up to win this bitch. But then, of course, the same finish 
that we got in every single gender title match during this reign. The Singh brothers get involved. They eat a couple finishers from Shinsuke. And then he turns around and blunders right into a terrible-looking colossus. I mean, he's not <laughs> his own finisher in the main event or in the title match of SummerSlam. And Jinder Mahal beats an incredibly just white-hot Shinsuke Nakamura clean in the middle of the ring to retain the title in 11 minutes and 25 seconds. And there is zero reaction from the crowd. Just I've got a hot take. Diabolical. Horrible. I've got a hot take. Your take's going to be wrong. I don't care what you say. It's going to be wrong. Champion gender wasn't that bad. There has been a revisionist history about champion gender. Because people look back on it and they see that he looked like money and he smelled like money. But his matches all sucked. Okay, that's His matches all sucked. His promos all sucked. This, this, This feud with Shinsuke was extremely racist. And... Like, it all built up to, like, you know, they wanted him to be the big star for India. But the Indian fans didn't care about him because he was from fucking Canada. (laughs) And then they did the big Indian show. They did the big show in India that was headlined between him and Triple H. That's what this all was building up for. The fans then cheered Triple H over Jinder. And then Jinder lost. Now... And I then he drops the play. title. I'm not done. Then he God drops the title to AJ on a random SmackDown and disappears forever. I'm not done. It sucked. Listen. No, it was bad. There is more than one way to build heat. One of them is by being bad. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> like, I wanted gender to look. Okay, I, I didn't even watch it at this. I wasn't watching at this point. I came in right as gender lost to AJ, basically. But going back and rewatching it, I watched I watched Randy Orton lose the title to him at like Backlash or something. Then there was oh man, there was the WWE Battleground match. David, what was that match? Oh my fucking god, <laughs> dude! This is you're talking about shit that I have. That purposely... was the food job in prison match with Randy Orton. When the great Kali right. showed yeah. up. Yeah, Kali showed up out of nowhere. And... <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was amazing. I forgot about like, that. Like, I don't know, man. I just, I think that gender as the champion, I don't know. Like, it was, you hated gender. You wanted him to lose. And every time he just wouldn't fucking lose. And I, like, no, I didn't enjoy, or I didn't like it, but... I wanted somebody to beat his ass, and somebody eventually did, even though it wasn't on pay-per-view. I, I, I will say this with Jake. I agree with everything they're saying. My one complaint with the gender run, besides the fact that he can't hit his own finisher, <laughs> um, it's that, like David said, all of his matches end the same way. Like, I'm all for having a guy, yeah, being bad and not having enjoyable matches kind of is a great way to get heat as a heal. But, but when you, all your matches are the same, about this all wrong though. Like I don't, I don't think so. Being bad is maybe a good way to be, but that's not the right kind of heat. That's not the right kind of heat. as long that's as the he's kind of heat that's like I'm going to turn off my television because this shit sucks, and then hopefully someone beats him. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't. No, it, it was bad. It was not that bad. I think again, Jinder was never the most exciting worker. He was a sloppy worker. Again, whenever you can't hit your finish consistently. 
that is not a good thing. And that is the condemning thing with Jinder is that his own finisher and there are other things that he does where he can't hit them correctly. But he, as far as we know, he never hurt anybody in the ring. He, he looked like money. He smelled like money. And you wanted to see him lose every money. You guys are so far uh, off on this. You, oh my God. And you wanted to, and you wanted to see him lose. Every single word that you people have said. Every single word that you people have said in the last five minutes is Th- maybe, then allow me to it is revolting me. Then allow me to help you. Half of my notes come from before this match even starts because Jinder comes out looking great. Shinsuke's entrance is amazing, yes. and I am also pissed that Shinsuke didn't win this match because again, I get that maybe Shinsuke is okay with whatever he's doing in WWE, and that's fine. But I think in terms of storytelling, I think you t- you you tell a better story with Shinsuke at this point. Then what, the three months of gender, except for the fact that you have the uh, show with Triple H coming down the pipeline. How about capitalizing on a guy who's hot? Yeah, like, no. That's, how about that fucking concept? That no is one all... asked for, I mean, that's the thing about gender. It They're was a si- completely out of nowhere thing. This is a guy who had been a jobber for years. His, his career peak was being part of 3MB, right? <laughs> he gets cut. He gets brought back because they had just done the brand split and they needed more just fresh bodies. The guy juices himself up so he looks like Lex Luger <laughs> and then Vince gets a hard-on for him and they put him right in the main event. A guy that he got like a three-week push and then wins the title. And nobody bought it for a fucking second. Like, we were talking about this before the show. Like, this is the answer to, like, you know, the old, the old Bob Holly joke was like, well, why don't you give me the belt and I'll just beat everybody. That shit doesn't always work. You actually have to have talent. You actually have to be kind of good, you know? I, like, and the crowd is, like, again, going back to how over Shinsuke was, the crowd is singing his theme in the middle of the match. Yeah. Like, un- unprovoked, out of nowhere, they're just singing Shinsuke's theme. And I, I said it before, I'll say it again. When the match ends... On a very clearly botched finisher that he botches all the time from the same scenario, you might want to look into either doing a different finisher or maybe changing up who's at the top of the card. I will say, I will say, so here's, I mean, here's the thing. Like, what Jake is saying about like having a guy who's bad or maybe like less entertaining as like a heel champion, that's, I mean, that's, there's plenty of examples of guys throughout history. I think of Chris Jericho's run in like 2008, 2009, where guys turn heel and because they don't want to get cheered for, you know, being exciting, they tone their moveset and their style in such a way that is less exciting to watch. But they're still, you know, technically good and they're telling stories and getting good matches, even though they're not like as necessarily as high octane as you want to see, right? This is Jinder just being bad. He can't even hit his own fucking finisher. And his finisher's easy. Like, at a certain point, you're in the WWE. Like, come on, man. Like, at a, like if you're going to accept that and just be like, oh, well, he's getting heat because, oh, the fans want to see him get beat. Well, then, I don't fucking know. Then just put the title on me. I can go out there and have <laughs> shitty matches. It was something. Give me the belt. It was something different, too. Like, it was out of left field with WWE, with the gender run. Because no one saw it coming. It was completely out of nowhere. Again, you mentioned the Bob Holly thing, where it's like, you can't just have a guy beat guys and get over. 
But I'd rather them try it with different guys to see what works and what doesn't. Now, they could have, again, they could have been more creative during the gender run. But at the very least, it showed that they were willing to try something different. Whether that was Vince's idea, whether that's creative's idea, don't really care. It, 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 it was a breath of fresh air in a otherwise kind of stale era. Because it's like we are in yeah. a point where it's not quite the Styles era yet. Kevin Owens isn't there yet. Roman is still, you know, universally hated. And there's a lot of guys that, you know, it's been the same thing for years now. And so this gender run was something different. And just be, just by being something different, the grass is always greener on the other side. Gender here's the grass that's greener that's not actually greener. In fact, it's yeah. probably a little bit less green. Gender is, like, that's the example of, yes, it was different. They chose a different guy that maybe you weren't expecting. You certainly weren't expecting. But different doesn't always mean good. And even if you are choosing a guy who had been lower on the card, you got to do a little bit more than that. It was like all of a sudden randomly this guy is placed, like who hasn't won a match on WWE TV in like five years, is put in a number one contenders match, and then he wins, and then the next week he wins the title. Like, all right, here's this guy. He's the champ now. Right. Pick this guy up off the fucking street. Like, come on. Man. Jake, you ready to make... You gotta do a little more than that. <laughs> you ready for me to make David real angry? Yes. David, who'd you rather be champion? Jinder or Big Cass? Hmm. That's a good question. Jinder. Not even close for me. I think I would... I, I, I would say this. I would say Jinder. At least Jinder would have had a good entrance. Like. Yeah, that's true. Jinder, they did give him good presentation. They did not give Cass good presentation. No. I, I already went specifically out of my way to point out that he had the most generic entrance music of all time. He also, and also he was very uncomfortably tan. I mean, the dude was like, uh, my man was, uh, Cass was so, like, had so much fake tan. He was mahogany. In his, he was straight up <laughs> mahogany. Let's get okay. to something real good here. Yes. We have talked about this shit way too long because we got some actual cool stuff to talk about. We have our main events. It is our beautiful big boy four-way for the Universal title. It is Brock Lesnar defending the title against Roman Reigns, Samoa Joe, and a very over during the summer of 2017, Braun Strowman. Beef Stromboli, baby. Big Beef Stromboli is in the ring. He gets a huge pop. Everyone is so over. And I, the one guy who was not really over in this match was Roman Reigns, obviously. But I'll say this. Matches always feel bigger when Roman Reigns is in. Yeah. Even during this time. It's the, it was always the same thing with Cena. Even when Cena was not popular with the fans, a match with Cena in it felt bigger. Yeah. So... You know, Heyman takes the mic away and he just spits fire and the crowd is all pumped up. We've got over 1,000 pounds of pure beef in this ring. And we are ready to just fucking go. So this match is four huge guys doing a ton of spots, doing a ton of moves, killing each other, breaking shit, and the crowd going insane the whole time. It is one of my favorite big guy matches ever. So... Early on, Brock, he does his whole suplex city thing. He suplexes everybody. He faces off with Braun Strowman at the beginning of this match, 
And just the crowd reaction for Brock and Braun just looking at each other is crazy. The crowd's going nuts. Uh, Braun just like sends him flying out of the ring. On the outside, Joe puts Brock in the Coquina clutch and then Roman zooms in and spears Brock Lesnar through the barricade. Crowd goes apeshit. Joe then Uranagi's Roman onto the announce table. Braun shoulder blocks him over the table. He then grabs Brock and hits him with a running power slam through the first announce table. Now, there's three announce tables all ringside. We are going to... All three announce tables will be ruined in this match. So, Braun throws... uh, uh, Does the running power slam through the announce table. He then gets Brock up, hits another running power slam through the second announce table. So, that's two tables down, one to go. The fans are chanting one more table. So, Braun picks up the last announce table and tips it over onto Brock. The crowd is going absolutely apeshit. Afterwards, all the referees and all the agents come from backstage to get Brock. You see Finley there. I saw Adam Pierce there. Very, uh, very conspicuous by him being on WWE TV all the time now, every show. Um, they go out there. Thunderous. This is awesome chance. Brock is dead. They do a stretcher spot and they wheel Brock off. It's at that moment, I remember, you knew Brock Lesnar's coming back and he's winning this fucking match. So there's still, there's, we're down to a, a triple threat for now. There's still a lot more fighting left. Braun grabs the steel steps. He hits everybody with them, but Roman gets them away from him. He hits Braun on the side of his head with these steel steps, cuts him open. And he starts bleeding everywhere. Uh, Roman goes for the Superman punch on Joe. Joe turns it into Coquina Clutch. Braun then comes in and hits a double choke slam for a near fall. After a little bit of this three-way, Brock comes back in. Baby, he is very red and very pissed. He runs in, he spears Braun, he starts beating the shit out of him. Hand suplexes out to everyone. He puts Braun in a Kimura hold, but Roman runs in, breaks it up with a Superman punch, hits another on Brock, on Brock, hands one out to Joe. Hits a spear on Brock, but Brock kicks out of the spear. Uh, I mean, almost no one kicks out of a Roman Reigns spear. Joe puts Roman in the Coquina clutch, but Braun runs in, breaks it up with a shotgun drop kick. He hits a running power slam on Joe. Braun has him pinned, but Brock pulls the ref out of the ring. Roman comes back in. Superman punches to everyone. He hits a pop-up Superman punch on Braun, but he kicks out. Brock then, uh, Braun comes back, hits a running power slam on Roman, but Brock breaks up the pin. We're coming towards the end of the match here. Braun goes for a power slam on Brock, but then Roman spears Braun out of the ring. Joe tosses Reigns out. Joe puts Brock in the Coquina clutch, but then Brock hoists him up, hits the F5. Roman gets in and breaks up the pin. We're down to just Roman and Brock. Roman hits three straight Superman punches, He goes for the spear, but then Brock catches him coming in, picks him up on his shoulders. He hits the F5. One, two, three, ball game. Brock Lesnar wins the match, 20 20 minutes and 52 seconds. Just the other night, I watched the feature film Godzilla vs. Kong. This match is like Godzilla vs. Kong versus a second Godzilla versus a second Kong. This match is a just 
It is a movie monster fight, and it is unbelievable. I'm going to shit on it real quick. No, you should <laughs> Two things. One, I would have liked to see anyone else but Brock win. Two, we didn't need the Brock. If he left WWE, if he lost the title, he loses. He's out of the WWE. Stupid storyline. Really predicts it shows who's going to win this match because they yeah. weren't going to let, let Brock leave. However, the entire ride is fucking phenomenal. It is yes. so much fun watching these four guys in the ring. And you know what? It's awesome to get to see a match where Brock actually has to sell. Because he can do it. It's not like Brock is incapable of selling. And those matches where he has time to like sell for other guys, it's always great. Because it, Brock has been – the way Brock has been booked, he's booked as this like conquering individual. And you rarely get to see him out of his element. And this match, he was brutally manhandled by Braun Strowman, who, again, those table spots just look brutal. Throwing the table on top of him is brutal. You don't need the stretcher for Lesnar. I think you saved that kind of stretcher spot for baby faces. And Lesnar is definitely not a baby face here because the crowd is very much behind Strowman, first of all. But even after that, I think Samoa Joe. Um, their entrances, they come out. I, I miss Joe so much. His entrance is perfect. Yeah. The way he carries himself is perfect. Just a guy that needs to have a world title run. I hope he's not done wrestling. He does a great job on commentary. Um. Braun, uh, not going over the rope when Roman tries to clothesline him is really funny because he's like little boying Roman Reigns. Like, that's the level that Braun was at back in 2017. Uh, I hope Strowman, uh, was, what, what did he say? I, I, oh yeah, Corey's saying, I, I hope, Ro- uh, Strowman uses Saxon as a weapon. I thought it was a really funny line. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Heyman's reacting like crazy. They're just doing a bunch of big boy stuff. It's amazing. It's just so much fun to watch. The Braun dropkick, Lesnar pulling the ref out at the end. I can't say enough. Like you, You're just sitting at the edge of your seat for 20 minutes because you're seeing these four hulking masses of destruction brutalize each other. And you're just like, I need to see who's going to win. I- give you, I'm going to give you my negative to the, to the commentary of this match, though, because you said the thing about using Saxon as a weapon. In the beginning, <laughs> uh, Corey Graves was like, this is an animal versus a beast versus a destroyer versus it's going to be a great match (laughs) versus a really big Samoan guy. (laughs) Like they were trying so hard to sell it. And it's like, how about you just let the four large boys standing in the ring sell the shit for you? Yeah. You don't need to sell it any more than, like, it's going to be put over by, look at these four men in the ring. Right. Like, <laughs> like, look at these guys. Like, they are all they are all large boys, and we are, we're all excited to watch And look at so, what like, they're going to do to each other. Right. Exactly. Oh, man. Just four big, beefy boys doing big, beefy boy shit. I love it's, this match. It's awesome. I, this is why I wanted this match. And I think it's interesting because... Samoa Joe had just lost to Brock like the month before at uh, Great Balls of Fire. Angela, what was the name of that pay per view again? Great Balls of Fire. Oh man, that was a bad name. Uh, is that is that to- is that a Vince McMahon ass name or what, brother? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it absolutely is. Uh, Braun would lose the next night or the next month to one on one with Brock Roman. 
was 20... Oh, shoot. I'm, I'm getting my years mixed up. 2017, would that have been the year that Roman lost in the main event of Mania because of Seth? Which which year? 2017, or was that the year before? The year where Seth cashed in? I believe yeah. that was 2015. Oh. Or maybe it was 2014. I don't, I don't remember. But anyway... There was there would be another Braun or there would be another Brock Roman match that Roman would lose. Um, yeah, I just oh wait no it might have been Mania, it might have been the 2018 Mania yeah that's what it was that was the one in New Orleans right yes yeah that was the one where uh, Brock kicked out of like seven spears Roman kicked out of like five f fives and then lost. Remember? Yeah. Yeah. Really yeah. No, that shit sucks. And it was really bad. So, all of these guys would eventually lose one on one to Brock. You get him in a one on in a four 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 way match where anybody can get pinned, and guess what happens? Yeah. Brock goes over, baby. Like that part of it, I don't like. But just for the pure spectacle of it, they they did this match the most perfect way that this four way could have possibly played out. So I loved it personally. I but think it's great. The Brock one thing kind of sucked. Yeah, I I vividly, vividly remember the experience of watching this match live, and I don't think I'll ever forget it because it was me and like I don't know how many other people, maybe five, six other people there at my apartment watching it, and all of us from bell to bell, just like wordless screaming the <laughs> entire match because it is so insane, and even the people who were there who did not care at all about wrestling were losing their minds watching this just display of just movie violence. It's unbelievable watching these guys. And, and it's so much fun because like you can tell going into it, like they went to each guy and said, all right, buddy, pick four moves. You're going to do those four moves a bunch of times in a fucking row. And we're going to break everything in the ringside area. We're going to break the entire building. And we're just going to finish your spam over and over again. But that's fine. You know what? I, I usually denigrate finisher spam matches, but it works here. It works here because there's four guys. They're all doing different variations of their own shit, and they're breaking everything in sight. And the crowd is just losing its shit the whole time. I just I, I don't know if I'm ever gonna forget the experience of actually watching this match because it was so much fun. I loved every second of it and it was just as entertaining the second time around. It's just it's I, I will say like they, they could have taken the stretcher spot out because at this point we've seen it enough times that when you see the stretcher spot you know, okay, that guy's fucking coming back and he's going to win. And Brock's a Leon Ruff. Yeah, especially when it's Brock Lesnar, right? Like, wh- I remember watching that live, and when they did that spot, I was like, okay, Brock's coming back. We're six minutes into the match or whatever, and you know Brock's going to win. And then maybe they could have shaved a couple minutes off of it, but I thought it was just incredibly fun as it was. And it's one of my favorite... It's 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 one of my favorite WWE matches of all time because it is like, you know, it is not necessarily you know the oscar winner but it is the it is the summer blockbuster shoving popcorn (laughs) into your mouth type match you know what i mean absolutely i said it's so much it's so entertaining i said earlier that bliss shows like alexa bliss shows that size doesn't matter when it comes to wrestling but it definitely doesn't hurt when you have four guys (laughs) this size who can work as well as they can it just like 
they're they're so talented that their size is just it it jumps right out of you. And whatever they can do, the big moves, the crazy power shit, and you have Samoa Joe who's flying around, you have Roman Reigns who's flying around, you have Braun doing insane human things, you have Brock Lesnar who just looks like he's going to kick everyone's ass. It's just fantastic. It's all good. It's all fun. It rules, brother. (laughs) It rules ass. Oh my god, it rules my ass completely. Here's my next question. Power rank the four guys in this match. Modern, like right now. Right now? Mm-hmm. Hmm. So if they were to come back tomorrow, what's their power level? Yeah, like if like if this one match were to happen right now, rank who you think would win it, like most likely to least likely. Lesnar, Reigns, Joe, Strowman. Um, I'm gonna go the other way. I'm gonna go Lesnar or I'm gonna go Lesnar, Reigns, Strowman, Joe. I just feel like I I don't expect Joe to ever go over. Yeah, no. I, I think I'm with David. I think I'm with David. On I, that I'm thinking the return pop for Joe is going to be fucking fantastic, and that alone gets him over. I I just – I don't know. I, I love Joe. I, I am a very vocal Joe guy, you know. I just – I don't see it. I don't see them ever really letting him go over in a, in a in a in a situation like that. It just hasn't happened. They've had plenty of opportunities to do it, you know. I think he'll just. I think he'll be stuck on commentary. We'll know something's up if he ever gets taken off commentary. Yeah, I know he had concussion issues. I I don't know if I, I don't know what the situation is with that. You know what I mean? I don't know if he's been cleared. I think it's I think it's one of those deals where he's trying to get cleared, but. It just hasn't happened, so I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully someday soon, right? Hopefully someday soon. You gotta have the guy that did Oh Wendy get over at some point. I mean, come yeah. on. You would think, but it hasn't happened yet. I'm not expecting it to anytime soon, but we can all dream, right? So let's finish this shit up, my friends. Let's go to our two and a half marks. I'll I'll start us off, uh- Angelo. So my I have a negative half mark. My negative half mark is going to empty pay-per-view matches, which are always on a WrestleMania or SummerSlam. Uh, we didn't need Big Show versus Big Cast. That's a Raw match. We didn't need Orton versus Rusev. That's a SmackDown match. Uh, even like Cena Corbin, like fine opener, but like I would have rather watched the Usos versus the New Day. Like Cena Corbin pre-show. I know it's Cena, but. It's kind of an empty calories pay-per-view match. Uh, but they always, like, at the very least, they get them out of the way early. But they're just like, why bother having it on the pay-per-view to extend it out another 30 minutes? Let's take those off. Let's make it sure we can all get out of here at 1130. And so we can go about our day the next day and not feel like crap. Uh, so empty pay-per-view matches, my negative half mark. My one mark, I will say this. I'm giving it to SummerSlam's star presentation. I thought they made... A lot of people look like big deals from the opening promo package, which kind of touched on all the feuds, to how their entrances were. Like, Naomi comes out. She looks like a million bucks. You have John Cena starting it off against Corbin. Uh, Finn Balor and Bray Wyatt, even though their match was kind of boring, they look like big stars. The main event, all four of those guys feel like absolute like world-enders. Jinder, Shinsuke, at the very least, it felt like a co-main event with their entrances. Styles Owens... All, all all these guys 
we say that the WWE does a horrible job at making new stars, but at the very least, the way that they're presenting the people, a lot of the people on this show, that they came over as stars, at least in my eyes. Um, and then my two marks, it's going to hosses who work. Because whenever you have a big guy who can do all this crazy stuff, and then you have four of them, oh man, the fun does not stop. Give me the big men slapping me every day of the week. It's so entertaining. It's so fun. And when all the guys are as talented as the four guys in the main event, you're just going to have a smile on your face from start to finish. It's really hard to mess that up. What's the worst four-man main event you can think of right now for WWE? Oh, God. Brother, that is is very, very... Okay, I'm thinking... Just out of guys that I can I can name off the top of my head. I'm thinking, yeah, you gotta have Baron Corbin in there, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> gotta yeah, have Corbin. That's true. Oh wait, are you, like fancy booking or like actually have happened? No, no, like like I feel like fancy. Like I'm thinking like like honestly, Angela was shit on me for this, but like beating down Jeff Hardy right now. No, I think you're say, right at that point. Yeah, at this I'm point, say yes. Baron Corbin, depressing old. Jeff Hardy. I'm going to say Jackson Riker. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I'm going to say Chad Gable, but he's doing the Shorty G gimmick and he does not get any <laughs> offense at all. The whole time. Okay, okay. That That's my fun. answer. Uh, all right. I'll follow that up since I asked that question. Uh, I'm giving a negative half mark to Shane being involved in any match that he's not jumping off of tall <laughs> shit in. Bravo, Jacob. Because if he's not jumping off of tall shit, I don't care about him. I'm just going to be honest. Like, at the same time, I don't want him jumping off of tall shit because he has children, and I feel bad about it. But, yeah. Negative half mark to Shane being Like, as a... I have never watched... I'll give him this. His spot as the special guest referee in this match was fine. But nine times out of ten, if he's involved in a match, it's shitty. It's not good. It distracts from the match. At least here, he didn't distract from the match, and they still had a good one. But if it had been, like, a decent match and he pulled away from it, I would have absolutely hated him for it. So, negative half mark to Shane. Uh, I'm giving one mark to champion, specifically, Alexa Bliss. Because Alexa Bliss is one of the few people who I think works better as a champion. She works so much better with a, this is mine and I'm not going to lose it. And also her pose where she holds it behind her head. I don't know why I get such an absolute kick out of that, but it looks like a million goddamn bucks when she holds it behind her head. It's unique. Uh, No one else does it. And I thought you were going to say champion Jinder Mahal. No, hell no. (laughs) Sorry, not fuck Jinder, but kind of, yeah. No, just champion Alexa, I think, is one of those few characters that you don't want to see lose the belt, but also you're like, let's go, Sasha, come on. But Alexa wins, and you're like, or if Alexa had won, and you're like, okay, yeah, sure. I'll take another Alexa match as champion. That's cool. With gender, it's like, shit, give me somebody else as champion. You get what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm, it's yeah. a big difference there. Um, negative two marks. It's going to the stretcher spot. I have never liked it. I have never liked it. And in this match, I think it hurt it. I think if you just let Brock 
just lay on the ground for 10 minutes, it's better. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I think I think you just put Brock through a table. You, you quasi-murder him. Just let him lay there. And then all of a sudden, he like comes back from the dead like The Undertaker, F5s every bitch in this match, and then just wins it. I'm cool with it. I'm good yeah. with that. Yeah, it's cool. But as soon as, like like David said, as soon as you see the stretcher, you're like, shit, Brock's winning this match. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I wish that they had just killed Brock to the table, let his ass lay there for, for like five minutes, let him get up, F5 some bitches, get a near fall, get out of the ring, come back in, win it, and we all go home happy. So negative two to the stretcher spots because I never have liked them. Agreed, agreed, agreed. All right, I'm going to run through mine real quick. So I'm going to give my negative half mark to beach balls in the crowd. It's a thing that started <laughs> to happen over the last few years. Yeah. And it's just kind of disrespectful and distracting. And it's just, you know, it's it's advertising as a fan that you don't really give a shit about what's going on. And my biggest personal pop of this match, of this whole show, was not anything that happened in any of the matches. It was Cesaro sprinting into the crowd and just grabbing a beach ball and then ripping it apart with his bare hands. I loved it. And the Thunderdome. I, I don't like the beach balls. The Thunderdome crowd really needs to chill out with the beach balls. It's been too much. I know. Animals over there. I'm serious. I'm going to give my one mark to Brooklyn crowds, specifically Brooklyn crowds. It's very much an NXT type crowd, but it's fun to hear that type of crowd on a very big stage. There's a reason why they basically always had SummerSlam at Barclays Center and they had so many big takeovers there. It's just a very hardcore fan base, and they are very, very loud, and you know, a ton of chants all the time. It's it's just a great crowd, and you know that's why they get so many big shows. It's it always you know you always expect a good one when they when you know they're going to have a show at the Barclays Center. And I'm going to give my two marks to. So I, I've been thinking a lot about the movie Pacific Rim recently. <laughs> it's awesome, and the main event is a kaiju fight. That's what it is. And I'm going to give my two marks to kaiju fights. And that is when you get a bunch of just gigantic mutants in that freaking ring and let them beat the shit out of each other. It is <laughs> one of my favorite types of match. It is a type of match that WWE uniquely, I think, does better than anybody else. And they are, when done right, just some of the most memorable and exciting genre of match that you can think of. And this is like the pinnacle right Can here. I... Can I name one that I think that you that, that you're also sort of including in that? Yes, please do. Uh, what's your favorite match of 2003? Two, three. Hmm? I, I think what, maybe it's not that far back. What are what, which one are you referring to? I'm thinking of Samoa Joe and uh, oh Joe Joe, right? and Joe and Kobashi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kobashi, That's 2006. Yeah. Oh, 2005. So 2005, yeah, Joe and Kent, Samoa Joe and Kenta Kobashi, which is... But you're definitely... But that's that's one of those kaiju fights, right? Yes. That is two <laughs> very big guys beating each other up. And it is one of my favorite matches of all time. And yeah, I mean, that's 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 sort of included in that as well. Um, yeah, that is one of my my favorite genres of match, the kaiju fight, and it rules. So, that'll wrap up our coverage of WWE SummerSlam 2017. Now I've been on Peacock. I've been I've been getting familiar with the system over there, and I have noticed since I checked in today to watch the show, 
Um, it's looking like they got a lot more stuff on there. So I'm feeling confident hitting the randomizer today. Oh, maybe boy. if we don't get it, I'm going to rerun. Like if we get something that we don't have on there, I'm going to rerun it. But I'm, I'm, I have a good sense of what's on there. So I feel like we could do this. I feel confident with this right now because they do seem to be adding stuff at a decent enough pace. We can so, always do the, we can always return to the D6 method because I have, I have the one I have. I, I got so, you. What are the odds? What? What were you going to say? I was going to say, what are the odds David is cooking the books right now to give us some shit that he wants? Uh, I would not. say, I would say zero. I mean, da- <laughs> David has some level of integrity. I am an honorable man, and I am I I I am going to respin this if we land on something that is not on. Okay, fair you, enough. Fair you enough. do have to say what the first one is, though. Even though I if, will, okay. I will, I will. So as I pull this up, which may take a while, for as far as I know, please let me know what you guys want to see. Something that's on Peacock. <laughs> I, again, I've been I've been harping on this I think for about a month now, but I I want to see Extreme Rules 2020. Just because, one, it's a pandemic pay-per-view. Two, it's just full of ludicrous shit that you would probably see in Death of WCW. Yes. The uh, the horror show at Extreme Rules? Correct. Okay. So I had to spin it twice. But okay. I did get something. So the first time I spun it around, I got In Your House Beware of Dog. Oh, no! <laughs> no! Is right. David! I know, I know. I Listen, not... hold on, hold on. I have a request. What? The when it's, first when time it's on there, when it's on as, there, we'll do it? As soon as it's on there, we do that one next. Okay. I have been waiting for that show. Okay. In your house, <laughs> dog, I hit that one first. But, okay. Oh, God, the there's one... so talk about. <laughs> the one that we actually got is pretty fucking good. Okay. So, over the course of 48 episodes, we have gotten a lot of famous matches, and great moments, iconic events in the history of WWE and pro wrestling in general. I don't know if there's anything bigger than this. WWF King of the Ring 1998, perhaps so the single most famous match in history, The Undertaker, Mankind, Hell in a Cell. Hell in a Cell, yeah. But but that's also the Stone Cold one, right? Stone Cold in the main event against Kane in a First Blood match. Stone Cold won King of the Ring 96. Oh, okay, never mind. So King of the Ring 98. King of the Ring 98 is Taker throwing Mankind off the Hell in a Cell. Oh, boy. Yeah. So Taker, Mankind, Hell in a Cell... We've got Kane and Stone Cold in a first blood match in the main event. Uh, we have the semifinals and the finals of the King of the Ring that year, which includes Ken Shamrock, The Rock, Jeff Jarrett, and Dan Severin. I'm thinking, I'm thinking Double J's got to go over here. I think so too. I think you got to, got to push I, that boy. I feel like I always okay. So mankind went through oh, shit. So he gets pushed off of the cell in this match, right? Yes. Is this the same one where he gets thrown through the cell? Yeah. Well, he got thrown off of the cell, and then, you know, he came back, and they went back on top of the cage, and then he got backdropped onto the cage, and then the cage broke when it wasn't supposed to, and he fell through onto the ring. Right. And then isn't there another one where he gets, like, thrown through it and, like, goes through the ring? Yes. But that's a different show? It might be the same one. It's been a while since I've watched this match. Yeah, I forget. But anyway, 
yeah, we're gonna see I, it soon. I, we're gonna watch it next week. So I, I was de- I was definitely thinking that this was the Stone Cold one for some reason. I was thinking that this was when uh, he drops his uh, and Austin three sixteen says, "I just whooped your ass." Yeah, but, no, that was ninety six. Oh, uh Jake the Snake Roberts in the finals. My uh, my my nineties history is not as good as my twenty seventeen history. Yes. Yeah, bro, you're you're straight up remembering what happened at TLC 2017. I, I, I don't remember that shit. Dude. Hey, I, I know what else happened then. Kurt Angle showed up as part of the Shield, so which is the single most surreal like just vision I've ever had in my entire life. <laughs> uh, but yeah, next week we've got King of the Ring 98, Undertaker, Mankind, Hell in a Cell, one of the only wrestling matches of all time that has its own standalone Wikipedia page. So we got some good shit. Jake is holding his cat up into the air, which means she, it's time. She's being annoying. Which means it's time for us to go. So for my good friends, Angelo Inglisa and Jake Wong, my name is David Stappen. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Man.